ago, uh, 51 years ago, that I got saved by the grace of God. And he has been good to me. And I've got a story to tell. Hallelujah. And I ought to be in hell tonight and thank God I'm not going. Amen. And I appreciate that great preaching. And by our dear brother, I love Brother Samuel. And I thank God that he works out of the same church that I do. And I'm grateful to be a part of the Bible Baptist Church and be, of course, part of this meeting. And I thank God for my pastor. And I just appreciate the opportunity. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I won't be long. And we'll give you what the good Lord has given us. I was sitting in a fellowship hall back in August preaching a revival uh, there in Wilson, North Carolina. And uh, they had printed out this scripture and put it up on uh, the wall. And the Lord just really began to speak to my heart about it. And uh, let's look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. We'll start. He said, therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. This is the verse that caught my attention. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I believe these seven verses, I believe the theme verse is... uh, Verse 5, and if the Lord would help me just for a few moments tonight, I want to preach on, uh, we preach not ourselves. We preach not ourselves. Uh, Of course, let me say by the way of introduction, uh, we see the preeminence of the gospel. He tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 uh, that the gospel has preeminence over water. He said, I didn't come here to baptize, but I came to preach the gospel of God. Amen. We know according to Ephesians chapter 2, it has preeminence over works. Uh, You can work all day long, but you can never earn uh, uh, your salvation. Thank God we don't have to. It's already been taken care of. Uh, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. I'm glad, thank God uh, the gospel has preeminence over works. Uh, I, can I say, it's got a preeminence over the wisdom. He said in chapter 1 of Corinthians, where is the wise? Uh, are those uh, professors uh, there in uh, the seminaries uh, or cemeteries uh, more than likely? Uh, but the truth of the matter is uh, they try to deny the Bible and they try to use their education uh, to prove uh, that God isn't real and that oh Jonah didn't get swallowed by a whale. I've got news for that crowd. The word of God is true. Uh, and one day they'll stand before 
before a holy God and give an account that they've denied him in that blessed book. I'm glad that book is true. Hallelujah. Has preeminence over wisdom. It's got preeminence over words. He said, where is the disputer? Can I say number two? Not only the preeminence of the gospel, but he talked about in Galatians of perverted gospel. They were trying to get other Gentiles and put them under the law. Can I tell you a perverted gospel that's being preached today? Brother Ellis, and we see it everywhere we go, and I'm about to get tired of it. Uh, this gospel that you can live any old way, you can get saved and go back on Monday night uh, to the bar you were sitting on on Saturday night. You can go smoke your dope and fornicate and live like a devil. I've been telling you the gospel of that Bible when a man gets saved, God changes that man. I'm tired of this nonsense. Well, you just come. It don't matter how you live. Yes, as a sinner, you do come just as you are. I want you to come. Tattoos, long hair, not dressed right. But thank God when you get saved, there's a change in your life. Amen. Amen. And it's Going everywhere we go, it's being preached, this perverted gospel. Can I say number three, the precept of the gospel. We see, Brother Samuel already mentioned it. It simply means a, a good message, a good tiding, a glad tiding. It's mentioned in uh, the New Testament 101 times, uh, the word gospel. Uh, thank God. You know what? It was a good day, preacher, when I heard the gospel. An eight-year-old boy got picked up on a church van. They took me aside across town. And of course, you know, my dad, dad was just an old drunk. He had been in prison. Our family, my brothers were dope dealers. Uh, we laid out of school, third grade skipping school uh, with my brothers. Uh, you hear me, friend? It was a good day uh, when I landed in the house of God where a man of God uh, took a King James Bible and preached to me and told me that Jesus loved me and he had changed me and he would saved me if I'd come. I'm glad, thank God, I'm glad there was a church that cared enough to drive a van across town and pick me up and take me down the house of God where I heard the gospel. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. Precept to the gospel. Can I say the preaching of the gospel? You know the first time the word gospel is used, Brother Noah, it's in Matthew chapter 4 and it says that Jesus was preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. I'm about tired of this Calvinistic crowd too. Say amen right there. Amen. I like what Brother Samuel brought out. Every person, every language. Amen. I'm telling you, if I ever preach anything different, you know I've lost my mind because of the word of God. I want to give you a few things and we'll go to the house. Can I say, number one in verse one of chapter four here, we preach not ourselves because of the energy of the gospel. He said, number one, that this ministry, you know what that means? It's not yours. <laughs> People say, well, my ministry. You don't have a ministry. I don't have a ministry. 
I, I know what people mean, but Steve, they'll say, I appreciate your ministry. I understand what they're saying, but I don't have a ministry. It's his ministry. He said this ministry, the ministry is the work of God. This work of God. You know what's amazing? Had it not been for the grace of God, none of us would even be in this building tonight. Oh, we ought to be in hell with our back broke. But by the grace of God, he saved us and called us and put us into his ministry. Amen. I don't have a ministry neither do you. And because of the energy of the gospel, the ministry, then mercy, he said. You know what the mercy is? The fact that he saved us and then called us. You know what? Sometimes we think uh, we're a little bit better <laughs> than what we really are. Uh, we forget uh, that it's only the mercy of God that even put you in the ministry and that even put me in the ministry. Brother Doug, I shouldn't be in the ministry. I got a, our, our youth group uh, uh, when I was coming up in Cleveland, Ohio, and they gave me an award uh, kind of as a joke. Uh, but you know what the award was when I graduated? The most likely person not to succeed. Uh, what about that? Uh, and it was kind of funny, but they were kind of serious about it. But I'm glad, Brother Ellis, he said, not many mighty, not many noble, not many wise. Uh, I'm glad, thank God, that he and his mercy, uh, thank God, reached down and got this little old bus kid and called him to preach and put him in the ministry. Thank God, Brother Steve, and gave us the privilege to preach the word of God. I ought not be preaching tonight, but bless his holy name. I say bless his holy name that he put me in the ministry, counted me faithful, gave me an opportunity to spread his wonderful word. Hallelujah. Amen. We preach not ourselves because of the energy of the gospel. But not only because of mercy, but because of his might. He said we faint not. You know why? Because it's not our power. It's his. Hallelujah. Brother John, it's his. Not our power. That's how, that's how we faint not. Because of him. You see, when it becomes about you, that's why you faint. Because you're going in your strength and you make it about you instead of making it about him. Oh, listen, friend. I'll be honest with you. I can't do it without him. Oh, I remember when God dealt me about preaching. But Doug, I was so, so shy. I, I couldn't stand up in front of nobody. I, I remember our youth department, we, had, we would have a little choir. Uh, back in the day uh, when Dr. Phil Kidd, what about that, was my youth director. And, and we sang a song, and I had a verse to sing by myself. And I'm not lying, my own knees would be shaking like that. I'd be terrified uh, to sing a verse. And when God Almighty knocked on my heart, and he said, I want you to preach, I said, there ain't no way. You know I can't get up there. There's no way I can stand in front of those people. He said, I know, but I can't. Oh, hey, I said, uh, if you will, then I will. If you'll help me, I can't do it without you. I have no ability. I have no strength. There's nothing that I can do. But if you, I'll give you all the glory. Hey, I'll give you all the preeminence. I'll bless your name. Hallelujah. 
preach not ourselves. Hallelujah. Because of the energy of the gospel. Can I say number two, verse two, the excellence of the gospel. You know what he said? I'm about out of breath, praise God. He didn't say that, I said that. But anyway, <laughs> he said, we renounce the dishonesty of the false apostles and teachers. He was dealing with their practices and the fact that they were living a wicked life. What's amazing what preachers do today, they call themselves preachers. They drink. Are you hearing me? <laughs> Take drugs. God help us. Immoral, unfaithful to their wives. And today they just keep preaching. Like nothing ever happened. God help us. A man of God. You know what Paul said? Oh, we're not doing it that way. We're, I'm telling you, there is some rotten preachers, but thank God there's still some that'll walk the chalk. Thank God for our pastor who loves God and preaches the Bible and lives an example, him and his wife. I thank God for that. That's one reason I'm a member of the Bible Baptist Church. But Stephen is a man of God, sets the example. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. Amen. Renouncing dishonesty. Then he said the deceitfulness. He said that deals with their principles. You know what they were doing in that day? Kind of the same thing today. Making merchandise of men. <laughs> you know the, the gospel isn't to make a dollar bill. Brother John, I don't know if you remember, Brother John Proctor, of course, they was in Tabernacle. I don't believe you were there when I was there, but I know Patty was in school when y'all were there, but I knew your dad, and where I met them again, probably, what, eight, nine years ago, Brother Randy Owenby called me. He said, Brother Bobby, he said, we're down to 15 I had to go get a job. He said, would you come and preach a revival? Brother Scott, he said, I might could get your gas. Do you know, I didn't even hesitate. I said, absolutely, brother. Brother Danny, I said, if, if I have uh, an opening, I'm a coming. God works it out. Guess what? Brother Proctor came that week. That was him and his family. His dad and his mother. His sister, I believe, or Butch and all of them. They all came. And you know what happened? After the week was over, they joined the church. The preacher called me two weeks later, later and said, we went from 15 to 30. The tithe is doubled. He said, I want to thank God that you were willing to come. I'm telling you, friend, it ain't about money. It's about the souls of men. God will take care of the money. Hallelujah. Amen. They made merchandise. Then some do it for men's applause. <laughs> I would imagine if Jesus was here today that he wouldn't raise a man from the dead and say, now before you go, we got to get a selfie. <laughs> I would imagine he, he probably wouldn't care about that. Matter of fact, you know what he did, preacher? He told him, don't do it. 
don't go tell nobody. Don't go tell anybody what I did. Oh, but they'd been changed. They couldn't help it. They had to go tell somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. Men's applause. Then they try to mix their own doctrines and philosophies with the Word of God. You know, your opinions, they really don't matter. And neither do mine. It's just what God said. Sometimes men go way out there and preach on boots and belts and all that kind of nonsense. Just preach the Bible. Just preach the Bible. Amen. Just preach the Bible. There's enough in there. It'll cover everything. Amen. We preach not ourselves because of the excellence of the gospel. Can I say verse 3 and 4? He deals with the enemy of the gospel. Now, Brother Josh, he said... If our gospel be hid. Can I say the gospel is not hid because that it is not plain or clear. The gospel is very clear tonight. But it's hid tonight because of the stinking devil who blind their mind. Unless the light of the glorious gospel gets in. Amen. The person of the enemy. Not only the purpose of the enemy is to hide the gospel. The person of the enemy. The Bible said he's the God of this world. But Chris, I knew a Baptist preacher that said that didn't what that meant. Well, I don't know what it means. Tell me if I'm wrong. But the God of this world means he's the God of this world. Amen. John 12, 31 called him the prince of this world. Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 2 called him the prince of the power of the air. Can I say, I wrote these down so I wouldn't forget them. The world at large is under his direction. The idolatrous world is under his control and subject unto him. He rules in the hearts of wicked men and they obey him. That is why they commit fraud and murder and adultery and lewdness and dishonesty. Because they obey the wicked one who lives within them. I think we're trying to recap some people in our churches just need to be born again. They don't need to be recapped. They just need to be regenerated. Their wickedness and their life. And I had a fellow tell me not too long ago, well, I really believe old George is saved. He just had, he just been drinking for the last 20 years. I said, well, I'll just be honest. I don't believe he is. I believe God saved him. He changed that. Amen. Can a man go back and do that? Sure he can. I'm going to tell you something, he ain't going to live in that mess. I know I don't get by with it. I mean, God deals with me even about my thoughts. What about you? My attitude, amen. <laughs> when I want to pull somebody out of the car and whoop them in Jesus' name, he'll say, you can't do that. I know y'all don't do that, just me and Brother Dave Terry, amen. We're the only ones that really want to do that. <laughs> oh, Yes. I've been really seriously about thinking about getting my permit to carry my gun. Say amen right there. Anyway, we see the purpose of the enemy, the person of the enemy, then the plan of the enemy. He's, number one is to buy direct influence on the minds of men. He deludes and destroys their minds by false philosophy, which he's prevailed to deceive the world and destroy the peace and the happiness of man. Number three, by superstition. Number four, by blinding the influence of passion and vice. 
I remember my brother John. He was a dope, dope dealer. He got leukemia. At 24 years old, he died. Went to hell without God, far as I know. Brother Steve, I went to where he was selling dope. There's a playground and there's an alley behind it and they called it Dope Alley. And so I went to talk to him and there's him and two other fellows and they took turns when cars pull up. Isn't that a blessing? They hid their dope in the playground where kids were. And I went to him and I said, John, you're going to die and go to hell without God. You need to be saved. And he reached down and he pulled out that money out of his sock. And he said, I know more about God than you do. Leave me alone. Well, then when he got sick and he was in the hospital and I went to him again and I said, John, I'm getting ready to go work at a children's home in Louisiana. I said, you got to get saved. You're going to go to hell without God. And he said, oh, no, I'm not. I'm going to leave here and I'm going to drink another fifth of liquor and I'm going to smoke some more dope and I'm going to have the biggest party you ever seen. He never got out of the hospital. The devil blinded his mind to the vice and the passion. Can I tell you, young people, the devil will take you to hell if you let him he'll start with just one drink just one dope just one time and destroy your life and drag you into hell like he did my brother my brother has been in hell since 1984 1984 that's a long time you know why because the stinking devil but Sam, that's why I hate him so. I hate him so. If nobody is going to shout in heaven when he's bound and thrown in the lake of fire, I sure am. He's destroyed my family. He's taken my family to hell. He's destroyed their lives. Oh, but one glad day he'll get his. Hallelujah. We see number four. We preach not ourselves in verse five because of the existence of the gospel. We saw the person of the enemy, but now we see the person of the gospel. Who is that? That's Jesus Christ. He said in verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus. He is the reason there is a gospel. He is the existence. If it wasn't for him, there'd be no gospel. That we see that we preach him because he is the person. Then he talked about us, the proclaimers or the preachers. You know what he said we are? Just servants. We're servants of the gospel and because of the gospel. Hallelujah. Don't ever forget who you are. It don't matter how old you are, it don't matter how long you've been preaching, you're just a servant. I remember years ago, Bill Pinnell had come, preached in Ohio when I was just a teenager, way back yonder. And he was talking about how that you can get caught up in yourself. And he said he had an assistant that helped him. And he said to his assistant, he said, uh, hey, go get my coat. Just like that. Then his assistant looked at him and said, go get your own stinking coat. And he said, well, that's the preacher. Yeah, but he forgot who he was. Be one thing if it's his pastor. My pastor asked me to get a coat, I'd do it in a heartbeat. But you know what he said? He turned around and looked at him for a minute and he said, Yeah, I can't go get my own stinking coat. He forgot who he was. You see, you're just a servant. It don't matter how long. Thank God, what a privilege.
privilege to be a servant of the gospel. Oh, hallelujah. What a privilege to be able to go and preach the word of God and give out a gospel track and invite someone to Christ. What a privilege we have. Hallelujah. We preach not ourselves because of the existence of the gospel. Can I tell you, it'll never be about you. It'll never be about me. If it's about me, it's about nothing. I promise you that. The existence of the gospel is because of him. That is why we preach not ourselves. Can I say number five, the effects of the gospel. In verse six, you know what the light does? He said the light is shining in our hearts to do what? Reveal the Son of God. Reveal who the Savior is. But Doug, my dad was, is mean for he got saved. He used a foul mouth. My mama was saved, but she wasn't right with God. The only little love we had was from, from her. Dad and dope all the time and drinking and mean and kicking the dog and busting windows and dishes. But when I went to church and that man began to preach and tell me who he was. That light shined down in my heart, revealed to me the glory of a Savior who died for me, who was willing to give himself for me, oh rotten sinner that I was. Just an eight-year-old boy already starting a life of sin because it's what I knew. Oh, the revelation of who he was. It overwhelmed me. I'd never been to church before. And I didn't know what conviction was. But all I know, Brother Ellis, is the tears begin to run down my cheeks. I didn't know what was happening. But that love was a shining down in my heart. Oh, I didn't respond the first time or the second. But thank God the third time I heard it, that love, it shined down in my heart. And he said, I'll save you. I'll change you. I'll help you. If you'll come, I'll do it for you. I'm glad, thank God, it revealed it to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you know what else that gospel does, Brother Chris? This is why we preach not ourselves. Because it reveals how wicked we are. It reveals, Brother Steve, how weak, how wretched, how worthless. I'm amazed that he would even use me. Sometimes I say, Lord, I... I can't believe my old rotten flesh is so wicked, so wretched. And yet you'd give me the opportunity to spread your good news. Oh, that light shines. Oh, listen, I hope we never get to the point where we're so thinking that we do anything. It's not of ourselves. It's of Him. Hallelujah. The effects of the gospel. Number six, and I'm done. Verse seven. We preach not ourselves because the extent of the gospel. He said we possess it in earthen vessels. He talked about the possession of the gospel. You know what? If you're saved, every now and then you've got to tell somebody. It's inside of you. You, you can't help it. 
Now, Brother Samuel talking about our flesh. Sometimes we won't give out a gospel track and we'll use the excuse because we don't want to embarrass them. The truth is we don't want to embarrass ourselves. That's true. I've done it before. The Lord said, you're in that line. Get, give that woman a track. And Brother Chris, I look and see all them people behind me. I'm like, well, Lord, I don't really want to embarrass her. The truth is I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want them to think, well, who's this nut? Well, I'll tell you who I am. I'm a, I'm a servant of God who wants to give out the gospel. Amen. I was, the other day, I was in Wilson, North Carolina, preaching revival. <clears throat> you know, when Paul said he's free from the blood of all men, I believe he meant, and you may, could help me afterwards, preacher, but I believe he meant every time the Holy Ghost told him to give the gospel to somebody, he did. And I was, I went to the dry cleaners and got my clothes, and, and the Lord said, give her a track. I didn't have them in my shirt pocket. I had them in the car, and I just said, well, that probably wasn't the Lord. And so I got in my car, and I drove back to the church. Fortunately, it was just a couple of miles. And before I got out, he said, I told you to give her a track. And I said, yes, sir, you did. And I just turned right around, went right back down there. And I went through, and they had a little drive through. She came to the window, and I said, ma'am, I said, the Holy Ghost wants you to read this. It's going to tell you about the Lord. I, I hope I'm not the only one that sometimes we don't do like we're supposed to. It's because sometimes we're either too busy or sometimes we're just, we don't want to be embarrassed. God help us. I'm glad somebody came after me. Oh, I'm glad somebody wasn't too embarrassed to come where I lived. We lived down there in the ghettos on the east side of Cleveland. I'm glad somebody came. Hallelujah. Not only the possession of the gospel, but we have the power of the gospel. He said that power is not of us. It's of him. It's of him. I remember you, Brother Doug, when you was talking last year or year before about that person in your church that got saved and the Lord told you, don't mess it up, dummy. You know what? I do that too sometimes. If you just get out of the way, let him do it. I was preaching... Brother Keith built my house, preacher friend of mine. I was preaching revival for him the first week in October. That Sunday morning, a young man came, probably mid to late 20s. Second time only did ever come to church. Preach that morning. He came back that Sunday night. Man, that Monday night, you just know when God moves in conviction. That Monday night, you could cut it with a knife. I mean, Brother Steve, I just knew this man's coming. He didn't come and get saved. And I'll be honest, I, I was disappointed. But see, it's not us. It's him. He came back Tuesday night. He came back Wednesday night. Well, that was the first Sunday in October. So the second Sunday, I text Brother Keith. I said, did he come today? His name is Brandon. He said he did, and he looks like a deer in the headlights. He said, man, he's tore up. You see, it's God who pursues a man. It's God who convicts a man. He came back yesterday, <laughs> and he gave me a call. Brother, brother keep calling me yesterday. He said, Preacher, I just want you to know, oh, Brandon got saved this morning. I didn't have anything to do with that, but the Holy Ghost got on his trail, and he reeled him in, and he brought him into the family of God. Hey, we don't save anybody, but I like to be around when it happens. Amen. Hallelujah. I like to be around when it happens. Tell you something. My dad said something to me many years ago. 
He said, you know, the Lord can't show everybody how rotten they really are because they can't take it. If you ever get a glimpse of how rotten you really are, you won't preach yourself. You won't boast in yourself. You'll crawl to the altar and say, Lord, how in the world could you use me? Let's stand if you would. We're going to come to.